I'm Kurt. And I'm Tracy. And this is the MFG cast. Everybody, we're back for our regular board game episode. Holy smokes, I feel like it's been a while now. Totally. Yeah. Thank you to everybody that's been constantly listening to our And Justice for All campaign that just wrapped up. If you didn't listen to the after show kind of thing where we kind of talked about what was going on, some of the things you might have missed and what we liked and the preview to the next campaign that we got going on, the second and possibly final campaign. Uh, go take a listen and eventually here probably in about another uh, I'm going to give it about a month I want to record a couple of different sessions before we get into our second campaign which is called Hell is Going to Hell that sounds pretty apropos for Ooh. things these days but uh, let's let's get away from that let's talk about some board game stuff we have a special guest somebody that you probably have uh, been recently hearing on our And Justice for All campaign he plays Selenar Eularian. It's John Haremza. John, thanks for coming on, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to be on the MFG cast. Oh, I always love when you lie like that. Um, so today <laughs> we're going to be doing a deep dive into a board game publisher. Uh, the first one we're going to do, just because I thought of John when we were kind of thinking about some board game companies we wanted to talk about. Let, I thought we could talk about Taste of Minstrel Games because John... Should I introduce him? Oh, go go ahead. We wanted John on this podcast as a tasty minstrel connoisseur of sorts. Oh, all right. I like that. <laughs> Kurt said you wouldn't like that. <laughs> but maybe you do because I came up with it. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, that's, that's good. I, yeah, I, could, I could add that to the uh, to the About Us section on the website. There, there you go. Heck yeah. There you go. Heck yeah. Self, or unself-proclaimed connoisseur of Taste of Mitchell Games. I like that. Yeah. But um, why I wanted to have John on is because out of the tens of games that he has, it seems like he's got a decent amount of Taste of Minstrel Games. Um, you also have gotten to play and talk to Seth Jaffe because he lives near you. Um, so eventually I'd like to talk about that too. But sure. um, yeah, I thought it'd be fun to kind of talk about the games that we've played by Taste of Minstrel, you know, what we like, or you know, there may be some games that maybe we maybe we don't like as much. I mean, I kind of hate talking about that, but I always like to have the discussion of, you know, why we like some of the games that we like. And maybe sometimes maybe there's something that we, you know, maybe it's just not ours, but, well, but I don't think there's going to be much of that. Then no one's perfect. That is true. Mm -hmm. I I can definitely say that about myself. I mean, it's hard to believe it for me, but <laughs> that is true. Um, sometimes it. nobody's perfect. That is true. So is I'm true. pretty close. That's right. I'm pretty close. That's right. <laughs> well, not only that, but not every game is for everybody. So there can be 
you know, a fantastic game with, you know, a wonderful theme and awesome mechanics and deluxe components. And you're just like, eh, I don't, it's not, it's not my thing. You yeah. know, that, that style of, of play is not for me. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, t- and talk about components like Tasty Minstrel. I think when you think of Tasty Minstrel, I think you think of components because they're a whole deal. I feel like is like to deluxify and make it all nice and shiny. So you can be like, Ooh, look at all these cool things I have in this game that I can play with. I feel like they're one of the first to kind of do that and kind of lead the way. So. And they are beautiful. I, I have the deluxified version of Crusaders and, you know, it doesn't change the gameplay. The mechanics are still the same. The theme is still the same. But when you start plunking out those metal, you know, victory tokens or your, you know, your buildings have the silk screen or you're like, oh, you know, we played with the wooden pieces last time. Let's play with the, the plastic pieces this time because the sculpts are so cool and blah, blah, blah. It just, it adds, you know, this sort of, uh, I don't, I don't know how to phrase it, but you know, like this, this unknown quality, like it just improves the table presence, I guess, you know, Splendor is the same way. No, we're not, we're talking about Tasty Minstrel, but the original game had the, the Ferris core chips. And when I eventually broke down and bought it, I got it at Target and it didn't have that. And I'm like, Oh, I don't want this. Like this, it's, it, it doesn't play the same way, but it does. <laughs> it's, it's stupid. Yeah, I always think it's funny when, you know, people have different things in games like that. Like, even something as, as you know, as different as, like, a metal coin versus a cardboard coin. You know, you can always kind of tell the difference because it's, it's, it's like, oh, you know, I, I can't even think of the game that has metal coins that we have. But, oh, it's one of those that just... Lords the, of Waterdeep? Oh, it might be Lords of Waterdeep. And just having those metal coins and the, you know, the feel of it, it's just like, you just, you feel like, you know, like almost like an Uncle Scrooge type. You're like, oh my God, I have all this. This is so amazing. I want to swim in it, you know? And it's, is it really necessary? No, not really. I mean, you could play the game regardless of all those bits or whatever, but sometimes it's just nice to have, to have the extra stuff that kind of, makes you feel like you're more involved in the game than you would be if it was just like, you know, just like that, that paper coin or that cardboard coin. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, there's a whole secondary industry that's grown up around providing upgraded components now for, for board games. So like, it's, it's totally a thing and it's, I mean, it's, it's big business. And I, you know, I've, I've got a couple of different sets of metal coins and some deluxe games and it, it's, it, it just makes it better. Yeah. <laughs> it just does. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I wish, uh, the only thing that kind of sucks about it is that it, sometimes it makes it harder to buy because it is so m- much more expensive too. So that's kind of the, that's kind of the part that kind of sucks on it. Um, I think as board gamers, I think we have a good head about like, okay, if I know I'm going to play this game, even a couple of times a month, like, okay, maybe it'll be worth me getting that deluxified version because I'm going to wear and tear it more. Where in other instances, you may be like, okay, do I really need to pay the 75 or whatever bucks for something that gets those upgraded components? But I feel like where where Tasty Mentral is a lot better than other companies is that they make it to where it, it, it doesn't feel like it's wasted. You know, it doesn't feel like, okay, we're just 
doing this to kind of do it. You know, where I know, I know a lot of other companies will be like, okay, now we have 6,000 miniatures and you're like, I, there's only 10 characters. And like, I don't need all these people that they're fighting against upgraded. I don't need that where I think they, I think they put a little more time and effort and thought into it. And, and if you, if you're able to catch, you know, one of the tasty minstrel things when they come to Kickstarter, it is a little bit more. I don't remember what I paid for, for Crusaders. I think it was 69 through the Kickstarter plus, you know, and then shipping and whatever, um, which is fine. You write that off. You're buying something online. You're going to pay shipping. But, you know, the, the base game at the store for retail, I think is 50 and change. So it's only like an extra 15 bucks and you're getting a lot of value for that. But that deluxified version in the store, it's easily 100 bucks. Yeah. So you're, you're paying a little bit more on the front end, but you're paying a lot less than you would if you were to walk into the store to get it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it feels like that's always a better plan. Like you said, because a lot of times then when you walk into a store and you see that a hundred dollar price tag, you're just, you're not going to do it. You know, yeah. a lot of people are going to walk through and be like, well, I can get four games or two games that equal up to that amount. And it's like, okay, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't need to pay that much. You know, I feel like one of the only games that really is worth that, that price is like a Gloomhaven Cause you know, you're going to have just a boatload of stuff that you're going to be using. So right, right. it just makes more sense. Yeah, no, I can see that for sure. I, you know, with everything that, that happens, you know, especially with everything that's going on now, you know, people are losing their jobs and everything else. Like, you know, board game purchasing is you know sort of on the back burner for a lot of people at this point and you know when you go in you know you you're reasonably going to spend about 50 bucks for a good you know middleweight maybe heavier game you know that's going to play in about an hour so like you know that walking into the store um so yeah like you know you could pick up a couple of games two games or whatever for that same price tag and it's and it's tough you know to you know, I really like this game or I really like this theme or like, wow, these components look great. Oh, how much am I going to play it? You know, like you said, if you, if you play it a couple of times a month, that's, that's great. You know, you're going to get your money's worth out of it. And then you can always resell that later. And you're not necessarily going to make your money back on it, but you know, you're, you're going to get a nice chunk of change back if you sell one of those games. So, so when you, t- when you talk about tasting minstrel games, you have their CEO, Michael, I'm sorry, I'm going to ruin his name because usually I don't hear of the CEO. I think of the other person, which we'll talk about in a second, Michael Mendez or Minz. Um, we usually hear about Seth Jaffe, who is also a big part of the um, Tasty Minstrel conglomerative. And uh, I know for a fact that you, John, have actually kind of uh, played some games with him and talked with him and stuff like that. And he lives kind of near where you live, live in Arizona. So just kind of tell me about what kind of person Seth is and, you know, what his kind of thought processes are, thought processes are on how he um, runs his company, runs the company and helps them make the great games that they do. Well, Seth is a, is a game designer and he's also a developer for Tasty Minstrel. He created Crusaders, which we both have also eminent domain, um, he's got a couple other games under his belt, and he has you know some stuff that he's working on. He does a lot of development work for them, but he's he's big in our you know in our local area. I mean, we're we're really lucky in Arizona. We have quite a few uh, developers and designers just here in our area. Shane Hensley lives here, who does the Dead um, Deadwood, the Savage Worlds 
RPG system and what the hell's his name? Yeah, who does Seven Sea? John Wick. John Wick is here. Uh, guys from uh, Spider Goat Gate, Spider Goat Games are here. Uh, shit, there's uh, there's a couple other people, but yeah, but yeah, Seth is like a he's a really nice guy. He's involved in the community. He was the president of I think he was the president of our local uh, convention here called Rincon. He was on the board for them, helping to organize and pull that stuff together. Uh, he's recently stepped back from that. Um, so, so super active, you know, just a really nice guy. I uh, had a chance to play test with him a couple of times. He uh, uses one of the local stores here, Isle of Games in Tucson is not now, I guess with Corona stuff, but, but prior to that, you know, like he had every Friday or every other Friday, he'd have a group of people come in and, you know, help to play test games and, you know, I've been fortunate enough to play games with him at conventions. And, you know, we shared a room uh, one year going up to, uh, uh, what was it, uh, Maricopa Con, maybe, I think, up in the up in the Phoenix area. So, yeah, just a, a super nice guy. Uh, we've had him on the show a couple of times. I don't remember which episodes they were, but you could Google him on legendsoftabletop.com and check it out. He's been on a couple of times. But, yeah, just a, a really nice guy and, like, super into – what's going on with the industry and, and, you know, just being helpful to people and, um, you know, giving advice on designs stuff and all that. Yeah. He seems like a very, very articulate and smart guy. I've follow him on, on Twitter and boy, some of the things he says, I'm like, boy, you're just, you're too smart for me. Sometimes it's so hard to follow. <laughs> Does I'm it like, hurt your brain? Yeah. I'm like, God, how can people be that smart? It's just, Oh, I just want to lay down for a little bit sometimes after you talk because it's just it's so you know thoughtful. But I mean that's that's great for you know someone who's trying to develop board games that you know that test your mind and your skills and stuff like that. I, I love that. Has he been with the company the entire time? Because it, I was reading that they've been around for ten plus years. Has he been around the entire time? That uh, I think he's been with them for quite a while. Yeah, yeah I would assume so. So let's let's talk about like one of their first kind of big hits actually that Seth actually um, that Seth designed and that you have John. It's mm-hmm. uh, Eminent Domain. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about it. We actually don't own it ourselves. A old podcast partner of the past, Dan, had it and really enjoyed it. Kind of tell us about what Eminent Domain means to you and you know how much fun you have with it. It's a it's so it's one of the earlier you know deck building set collection games. Uh, I can grab it and see what, what year this came out. Cause I don't know off the top of my head. I didn't do that much research. Uh, this came out in 2011. Um, it's had a, a number of expansions since then. So there's a central tableau that you'll pull your cards from. You have a starting hand um, of, I think it's 10 cards. We actually haven't played in a little while. And you have different options that you can do when you play. You can colonize planets because your your goal is to um, obviously get as many victory points as you can. You do that by a variety of ways. It has a sci-fi sort of space theme. So you are going to uh, settle or colonize or using warfare take over other planets to increase your victory points. Each planet has a certain number of victory points. And different planets will give you different resources. So some of them you can uh, build resources on and then trade them. You know, some of them will give you like a a static bonus, maybe let you draw an extra card or, you know, let you uh, manipulate your hand size or something like that. 
and then you can produce goods. You can research different technologies and then those technologies will give you different bonuses. And then, you know, as you, as you play through, you know, you're going to, you can uh, eliminate cards from your hand by uh, getting rid of a research card. So it lets you sort of make your deck more efficient by getting rid of certain cards. So if you really want to do warfare, so what you'll do on your turn, you're going to get a, you're going to get a certain number of actions. So you'll, you'll start your, your hand and you'll, you can play an action card. So like if I play a warfare card, then I can either attack a planet if I have enough fighters or I can draw another fighter into my hand and then that'll go to the discard. Or I could play a survey card, which allows me to draw two more cards up into my hand, which gives me more options for things to do. And then you'll choose a role. So you can colonize, you can do warfare, you can do you know production, you can trade. And then the other player gets to follow whatever that role is, but they don't get the bonus that you have. And then you'll clean up your hand and then play will go to the next person. And it's the same thing. They can play an action if they choose to. If not, you definitely have to play a role and you'll choose a card from the central tableau. So if I want to colonize, I'll take a colonize card and then use that to either settle a planet. Well, you'd only settle a planet with it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so then, you know, when depending on number of players, when one or two stacks of cards is gone, then the game's over, you'll add up all your victory points, and whoever has the most wins. In a nutshell, that's kind of it. <laughs> In a nutshell. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it seems like when this when this game came out, it just it kind of caught fire, and it seemed like it, like even though, for me at the time, I kind of heard of it, I didn't I didn't see a lot of people that were covering it too extensively, but it always seemed like you were always hearing about it, though. Yeah, and it has. I mean, it, it's ancient in board game terms. I mean, 2011. I mean, that's yeah. you know nine years ago now, but. Exactly. I mean, it still has expansions coming out for it. So it is still sort of evergreen and the, and the expansions sort of modify the mechanics. They allow you to do different things, add different types of planets, different research cards. So, it, so it still is a, you know, pretty active, you know, f- you know, for a board game that's that old. Yeah. That's what I like about games um, that are older like that is when they continue to enhance them mm-hmm. even years after nine years after and thinking that they're continuing to not forget about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And bringing it to light to people who may not have heard about it or aren't very familiar with it in the past, making it a quote unquote new game Mm -hmm. for them now. Yeah, definitely. Which is cool. And and I think, I think part of that may have to do with the fact that it's Seth's baby. So he probably, you know, wants to keep it going. And it's cool that he will, you know, he puts the energy into, you know, coming out with more to make that still relevant, you know? Well, and I'm going to be honest, I've never heard of it. Well, maybe I, okay, maybe I've heard of it. No, no, I've never heard of it. I want to feel like I have, but I don't think I have, but I'm not totally surprised because I don't know that it's a game I would normally pick up and play. Not saying I wouldn't try it. And and Tasty Minstrel... They they have quite a few games that they have um, expansions for. I mean, Belfort's got an expansion. Um, obviously, uh, uh, Eminent Domain does. Crusaders has an expansion coming out for it that's being finalized now. You know, even Dungeon Roll has an expansion. So I mean, they're Scoville. So they they are 
you know, working to, to sort of keep those games evergreen, I guess, to some, to some degree. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of um, Skullville, which is one that was on my wish list for, gosh, was that years? Yeah. It feels like it's been a very long time. Oh, it was on my list for years. And then what did I get it for Christmas last year? Or something like that. Mm -hmm. We've only played it once. Because, you know, we that's just apparently what we do. Um, I obviously <laughs> want to play it again. But our first play, but we really like that one. And um, it's cool to hear that they have an expansion. It hasn't come out, you said, right? Uh, the expansion for that, I believe, is actually out. It is out. Okay. Yeah, I think, I feel like we need to play the <laughs> the base game of that one more. But I wonder when that came out. To you, are you um, that came out in 2014, which again makes it ancient because it's yeah, six years six ago. Years ago. <laughs> it's the Betty White of board games, but um, yeah, yeah. The one thing, the one thing that I think is funny about it, like we talk about in the in the board game industry, like you can make a board game out of anything, okay? And so when the first time I heard about this, you know, I was like, oh, it's about the it's about peppers and how hot they are, and I'm like. Who wants to play a game about peppers and a holla hot there? That just sounds ridiculous. You know, but then, but then what makes this so cool and going back to your talk about components and stuff is the board and how you take the cool um, pepper. I can't even call meeples because they're not meeples, but these wooden pepper components and be able to insert them into the board to be able to play your moves like genius because instead of just setting up on a flat board, they actually like insert in so they don't move around. And it's, I, I don't know. I thought it was pretty kick-ass. Yeah. I want to be able to take your meeples and to help them move around to harvest too, like, and be able to fit them in between the peppers. Like that's such a, such a unique and genius idea that, you know, I feel like I haven't really seen in another game. I mean, again, there's a million games and there's probably a couple that are out there, but I, not that I've seen. Yeah. There, I think that's becoming more prevalent in games, but back in 2014, it probably wasn't as common. Maybe they led the way. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm glad I got that game, even if we've only played it once or twice yeah. or something. And I've I've come to find out that I really dig auction games, which is weird because, like, when it comes to actually doing, playing auction games myself, like, I don't feel like I'm good at it, but I really like doing it. I don't know why. It just, sometimes it's just fun to just be able to be like, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, you know, if it's, you know, power grid or whatever, you know, be like a hundred million dollars. And you're like, why oh, are you doing that? Well, and we like playing them because we make, <laughs> we make Logan pay way more for something <laughs> than he should really be playing, paying it for yeah. Like uh raccoon Swind- tycoon. Swindling the young. We're like, That's what we we'll do. Pay, we'll pay $13 for this. And he'll be like 15. We're like 20 and he'll be like 21. Okay. Sold. <laughs> it's worth three dollars. <laughs> oh, you sucker! <laughs> We're jerks. We're jerks. But yeah, yeah. We got to teach them young. That's what I was just gonna say. We're we're jerks. <laughs> but he'll get it sometime. But yeah, we literally jack up that price. We're gonna make you work for this. He doesn't realize how money work really works. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> no. Oh, we're um, butts. 
Yeah, and I love and I and I love how ridiculous some of the bigger peppers are too. Like they're just so tall, and you're just like, I understand the concept oh, of the, the scale. Peppers. Yeah, but still, it's like it's just weird. <laughs> I understand it's probably like a height thing to be like, okay, this is like if you had a Scoville scale or whatever. Like this is this is the hottest. To the millionth seen. power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I don't know. I don't know. I do. I, I got a chance to play it once at RingCon. You were waiting for another game to start, and somebody was like, "Hey, do you want to play?" And I'm like, "Sure." What the hell is this? <laughs> and then I, so I, you know, we, you know, got a crash course, so I didn't really get to really figure it out. Like, you know, kind of went through the motions and sort of played it. And it seemed interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd have to like delve into some like playthrough videos and like really kind of like break it down to see. If, if that's the thing that I would be into, but it it, it is interesting and it and it does have pretty cool components. Yeah. Well, it isn't co-op. It so. isn't, and you can you can screw yeah, your, yeah, yeah. screw your uh, other players around by blocking them by where you're going to. Mm-hmm. So, right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's worth it's worth researching <laughs> a little right, bit right. for you. Yeah. So if, <laughs> if anybody doesn't know already, by the times that John has been on, he likes to dominate his opponents and leave them in the dust so and no co-op games <laughs> he doesn't like dice games no co-op and he always has to win no i'm just kidding <laughs> but but he is the connoisseur of tasty Men's. i like to win and, well so do i john <laughs> yeah. i like to win too <laughs> so if we bring ourselves to a different part of games by tasty minstrel unless you were gonna no go right something ahead. else Another game that they offered that we had, and I'm going to use it in the past tense, was Flip City Wilderness. John, I don't know if you've ever played Flip City or Flip no, I'm, City I'm not Wilderness. No, dexterity games. Um, I use the word had because Kirk got this one as a gift, and when he received it as a gift, the friend that got it for him didn't realize that it was an expansion to Flip City, or it could be played as a standalone. Also, uh, we don't own it anymore. We didn't care for it. Yeah. I, Why it, didn't we care for it? I think it just, when we were playing it, we just, it just was way too slow. And we just couldn't get, we just couldn't get into the building aspect as quickly as we wanted to. So like, John, you thought this was a dexterity game. It actually isn't. It's a sil- well, c- city. flicks. Flick City, right? Yeah, or something exactly. The yeah, just okay. add the yeah, L. Yeah. Flick City, no. Yeah, yeah. No, whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> but this is like a, it's a city, city building game where you can use both sides of the cards and you can kind of build your city bigger and get more points and stuff like that. But the one that, the expansion that we played, the Wilderness one is a standalone expansion. And for some reason, it just did not grab us. And a lot of people were talking about how much they love Flip City. And I, and the, my buddy, that my buddy, old podcast partner Mike, that got me the game. I think he didn't realize that that was the expansion. And so when we played it, it just just didn't quite fit what we wanted at the time. So we played it a couple times, just didn't really, unfortunately, didn't care for it. And then we, you know, ended up giving it away. So and there's not. I mean, that's the that's the thing. I think sometimes just in general for companies and games they're not always for everybody yeah so it's either something that you're looking for whether it's the subject or the type of game it is or 
that kind of thing that maybe just doesn't trip your trigger like you thought it would or somebody gives it to you and you're just like, nah, you know, maybe you like it. We don't really care for it as much. We don't want it to kind of drag down our collection or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, one of the first games that we were actually introduced by Tasty Minstrel Games was a um, review copy that we got from them way back in the day. I think it was one of the, f- yeah, one of the first ones. And that was uh, Steamworks, actually. And uh, this, is, this is a game that we still have that we haven't played in quite a long time, but I really enjoy it. It's one of those games that's it's very thinky and it's very put together and you really have to concentrate on what you're doing. Otherwise, you could kind of lose your way and lose the game. But I, I like the way that you can, that your tinkerers and inventors that kind of build these, wow, why am I losing my... Because we haven't played it in a long time. I know, we haven't played it in a while, but I just, I just looked at it. That you're building your machines, right? Yeah, you're collecting your components and you're building power sources. And the more that you connect together, the more you make, and you get this big power grid basically. And um, you also have this, like, uh, you also have this, they have this conveyor belt that keeps pushing these components off. So if you're not careful and take your turns in the in the way that you want, these components go away. So it kind of gives that timing thing where it's like, okay, do I want to do this? Or now do I want to spend more power or, you know, your energy sources to get that other thing that maybe won't work out so well. And I'd like to get it to the table again, just because it'd be really fun to play. It's just, it's been such a long time since we've gotten to the table because again, this one's 2015. So it's, again, it's ancient and board game terms. So then when you get these other games, you're kind of like, okay, well, let's play those, let's play those. And then you forget, oh, wait, I should actually bring this one out and, you know, get to playing it. So. How many players is that one? I don't even remember. Two That's to a five, two, to, two to five. Okay. Yeah. That would be my guess. But I couldn't remember if it was a three player. And that's why Yeah. we just have a lot of games. Yeah. So I. When, when's the last time you played this, John? Uh, actually, I got my copy from you guys because you guys had an extra copy. So oh, thank that's you. Right. Um, you don't remember that? that? Yeah. I forgot. I Gosh. That. Been so long. <laughs> we we played it once or twice and there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, <laughs> and I, I feel like you could do it with two. I feel like it's probably better with three or more. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't delve into it too much. I do like that, you know, each individual uh, player, you know, each character has its own unique abilities and stuff. So it, it does have a lot of replayability and that you can just sort of cycle through that, you know, because each time you play, you're going to have a little bit of a different flavor to it as far as what you're able to do. And the timing, like you said, with the conveyor belt is, you know, components are coming out, power sources are coming out, and you're like, shit, I really need that. But man, I've got one meeple left and I, I really want to like activate this power source so I can get these other components that shit, you know? So it, it does lead you to, to some really interesting choices. And, but, but I just, we haven't really dug into it that much. Yeah. I think if I remember, right. It was making my brain explode. <laughs> but then again, I think it was a couple of years ago and it was probably when I wasn't as, heavy into playing games as I am now. So I'd be curious as to how I would be now. Yeah. With I, that one. I still think it's a game that you have to kind of play a few times to kind of get the hang of it. I don't think it's something you can just, I think if we pull, played it, pull, 
brought it back to the table, we'd kind of be like, oh, crap, what are we doing here? And that oh, kind of we thing. totally would and be. And then we'd have to play it a couple more times and be like, okay, now I'm getting the feel of it. Because I'm pretty sure we were all, crap, I don't know what I'm doing here the entire time we were playing it. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah. especially well, when it's been a long period of time. All the components... Well, I was going to say all the component, like, you know, we, when we played, we had the book open and we're like, all right, well, what does this thing do? Shit, flip, flip, flip. Okay. Uh, this, this is the description. Cool. All right. I don't want that. Fuck that one. I'm going to, I'm going to grab this one. What does that one do? Flip, flip, flip. <laughs> so I feel like the more you play it, the more you sort of, you know, recognize those pieces a little bit more quickly. And then maybe you don't need the book quite as much. Yeah. And then that'll, you know, kind of streamline stuff near like, and, and things will make more sense then. Yeah. And it's funny that you, come up with that remark because I was thinking about this the other day and I can't remember what we were playing. I think it might've been Tang Garden or something like that. It has nothing to do with Tasty Mitchell, but anyway, it just makes me think of this concept where I feel like these games that have all these different things, like, okay, here's 20 different special powers. Okay. There's going to be some people, even if you play that game enough, I'm included in that. It'll still be like, crap, what was that power? Let me look, you know, that kind of thing. I feel like, I feel like these companies now, this is a PSA to any company that's listening to this. I feel like reference cards are just such a great thing to have. And even if you do have like 20 different powers or 50 different powers, just having a couple of cards on either side, having what it is and what that power is would be just so much help to some of us that just have a hard time trying to remember those things. Well, and I think, depending on the game now we're finding more that it's not just the size of a card anymore, like a playing card, they're making them bigger. So um, depending on the size of the box, what did we, we recently just played Fort and the box is probably three by six or something maybe. And the card fits just in that box. So the card is, you know, about that size because there's so much going on. But I don't think the card is overwhelming because you're not having to reference back to the directions all the time because you can look at the reference card and say, okay, what does this mean? Because there's so much on the um, the cards for the friends on that game that it's nice to be able to reference back to that card. And I can't, they would have to have like five reference cards mm-hmm. on that instead. Yeah. Definitely. But I think, so I think that um, companies are saying, well, let's scrap the tiny playing card and move up to something maybe a little bit bigger. Hopefully they are. Yeah. I don't know. I like reference cards. Yeah. If you can do it and you use them appropriately. Yeah, definitely. Even if it's just for like turn order, you know, like what you can do in your turn, like Orleone says that. And, you know, for the most part, you don't need it. But, like, sometimes you're like, shit, oh, we didn't flip that thing over. Like, you know, you just glance at that little card and go, okay, we need to, you know, flip over the event, check the farmers, yep. you know, go to the bag, you know, get through all the stuff. And, you know, especially if you don't play something all the time, just having a little notation like that, okay, these are the seven things that are going to happen on every turn. It just it, it helps to make things go that much quicker. See, and some are getting really cool with the turn order and stuff like that, too, or the steps. Not using a tacky, but adding it to the board somehow, the game board. I can't think of games that have it right now, but I've noticed it a lot more on some of the games that we've been playing on their actual game board, where they're putting a certain section on there to say what the steps are for the player, like the turn orders. 
and they're not in a, like a tacky way no. either. So then you don't have to go and reference the directions again, but you can look as you're moving your stuff or cleaning up or, you know, yeah. rotating stuff around or whatever you need yeah. to do, which I, know, I think is cool too. I know a reference to that kind of thing. It's called Crusaders That Will Be Done by Tasty Minstrel Games. Oh, thank you. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, we just played something that did that. Thank you. That was a good segue on my part, and I didn't even t- intend it. <laughs> yeah, it's in your player, Matt. Yeah, exactly. Right yeah. on the bottom of it. Well, Isn't you know, it? You, yes, it is. It's. is. I'm just saying, I, the thing I was just going to say, that the funny thing is, is that it, there's only two things on the bottom, because that's so, only two things technically, you two actions you can do, even though within those actions there are more things to do. But, yeah, that's that's a perfect example of, you know, it's – of, you know, putting reference on a player mat and being able to tell you, I mean, I feel like they're player mats. Oh my God. They're all, that game is awesome for the player mat. Yeah. yeah. For the reference and for the, play that one the again. <laughs> for the wheel and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. It was really cool. Like even going to the, sorry, I just totally stepped over. No, that's okay. Going to the components and stuff. That one is really cool too. And the colors and all that kind of stuff. I really like that. Yeah. So what? So John, one just because you're so good at explaining things, can you just tell, give us like oh, just Jesus. a quick, just literally just a quick <laughs> snippet of what Crusaders that will but be done is? Is it because he's good at explaining them, or is it because he's played it more than us? It's because it's because I, he's good at explaining it's because them. he's good at it, and I'm terrible at it. And I've <laughs> only played it. I've only played it once, so right. it's totally up to you, John. All right. Haha. Kind of. I'm great at it either, but. Each yeah, each player is going to get their own um, knight order, and that knight order is going to allow you uh, to manipulate your rondelle in some some way. Uh, there's one that will allow you to either move your um, your tokens clockwise or counterclockwise, because I think the default is clockwise, so it allows you to move backwards. Uh, there will be certain knight orders that will allow you to upgrade. Uh, wedges in your rondelle like right at the start of the game uh, one of them has like one one has got like two i think one of them has three like it's just crazy um and then you have on your player board uh everything that you're gonna need to play so you can um, build on your turn you can crusade on your turn you can move um you can collect influence which is going to be your victory points towards the end so if you have uh three action tokens in your build wedge you would pick all, all of those up depending on what your knight order is. You may leave one of your action tokens where you just were at or you know, maybe add it to some other location. But typically, you're going to pick up those three tokens and then just move them further along the rondelle. And then you, you, you would do your build action. So if you have a building that costs three to build, you'd take it off your little player board, you'd put it out on the map, and you know you'd get a coin for building that, and then the next time you build, it costs you a little bit more as far as the amount of actions it would take you to build. So they start at three, then they move to four, and then maybe five, and then seven. Like I think the last um, the last bank is like nine, which is ugh, damn near impossible to build, but you can, and, and we have, and it's it's so satisfying when you do. <laughs> uh, but you're you're moving across the board. And you're, and you're building and you're crusading and you're, you know, trying to accrue victory points. So if you, you know, crusade against one of the other neutral factions that are on the board, it again it increases exponentially. So the first person to crusade against the gray faction, which I think is the Prussians in the game, 
you'll get three victory points. But then the next person that crusades against the gray faction, it would be four victory points. So you get more points, but you actually have to accrue more action tokens in that wedge to be able to do that action. Um, and, and it's like that with all the things. Um, when you collect your influence, you, it's just straight victory points. So if you have five action tokens in your in that wedge, you just get five victory points and, you know, you distribute your action tokens around. It, it plays pretty quick. Um, I mean, we've played it a ton. I mean, we could get a game in in a half an hour. Uh, but it, but it's, it's meaty, though. It, it's not like, oh, this is a half hour. It's like really lightweight and there's no decisions to be made. You know, you can sneak into where someone already has their knight on the board. And if they haven't built yet, you can move in and you can build and take that spot away from them or, you know, move in and crusade. So there, it is thinking. It does give you, you know, a lot of options and a couple of different ways you can try to win. You could just try to crusade on everything and not build could just try to build everything and not crusade um, depending on what night you have, you know, it kind of sets you up for certain actions or can set you up for certain actions. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a really fun game. I, I enjoy it quite a bit and, yeah. and it plays pretty quick. Yeah. There's a lot going on, but there, it doesn't seem like it's, it, you don't lose yourself in it. And that's what I love about it. It's like, it's very easy yeah. to pick up, very easy to play. Like it may get, take you a couple of games to kind of figure out what you want to do on each turn and stuff like that. But still it's, it's, and I like the, you know, like I said, like we talked about, like the player board itself, you know, helping you out. Like once you start building these buildings, you get more tokens to kind of help you out. So like you can be able to muster more so that it helps you right. with different things and you can be able to get more influence, uh, get more, more uh, victory points at the end and stuff like that. And it just, everything is laid out so well and so neatly that, you know, it's really easy for you to do those things. And I like the the rondelle with the you can be able to upgrade the pieces of the rondelle too and like one of my favorite things is like when you upgrade that rondelle you you flip that wedge but then you can pick up your um influence tokens or whatever those things are and um you can put those you can pick up any one on any spot it doesn't have to be that spot you just upgrade it and you can you know kind of make it better for yourself yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so you don't get lost in that, like, oh crap! I just, I will really want to do this action, but I can't. You know, yeah. yeah. There will be and times that you will have that just because you've been, you've been dumb and you've <laughs> forgot to do a certain thing. Like, crap! I really needed this muster. I really needed to, you know, do this crusading or whatever. But you know, it's just such a well put together game. And and as you build your buildings, you sort of mentioned this. So if, when you build your first farmhouse it allows you to muster more. So you get a static bonus. So when you remove the piece from your player board and put it out to the map underneath, it will have a little muster symbol on it. So that's a static bonus. You're always going to get that extra plus one when you do that, that action. When you build your cathedrals, you're going to be able to accrue more um, influence, uh, which is thematically appropriate. Um, <laughs> so when you do that action, it shows you right on the board. Oh, that's right. I get an extra plus one. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you get deeper into the into that build, you'll get two bonuses. So when you build your third castle, not only do you get an extra movement, but then you're going to get a crusade action on top of that. And those bonuses, you know, just are always there. Um, so it, it allows you to really kind of streamline and uh, and do your actions more efficiently. Yeah, and I I love that if you if you are if you're vigilant. Wow, what word was I trying to say there? Um, if you're <laughs> vigilant, 
Yeah, that's it. So if you're vigilant enough to village, good lord. <laughs> if you work hard enough to move those buildings down to the end, you get a bonus victory points. So like, I think the one I did was the uh, you got the bonus victory points for the one that you did. I think you got I six or I something. Got six, and I forget which one it was. I can't remember if it was the cathedrals. Maybe I think if you build all your cathedrals. Yeah, you get six extra victory points. If you do all of your castles, you'll get four extra points for each set of three tokens that you've crusaded. So there's brown, gray, and gold. That's right. So for every set of three of those, you'll get four extra points. That's right. I think all of the banks, I don't remember what the banks get you, but I think all the farmhouses get you uh, an extra number of victory points based on the number of knights you have on the board, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. I don't remember what the bank was. Yeah, yeah. but anyway, it's it. It's one of those that they when, want you to. I mean, you want to strive for that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it, again, it's it. That's just that's one way to win it, though. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like these kind of games where you don't have to. You don't have to focus on one thing. You can. There's multiple ways to victory, mul- multiple paths, and I love that. And uh, it's it's slowly becoming one of my. F- most more favorite of the tasty minstrel games okay i think so i started tracking my plays i think one year after we were on together with sean and you know everybody's talking about tracking plays and things like that so i started doing i think we played crusaders i want to say like 30 or 40 times the one that the year first year i started tracking it it was a ton (laughs) wow that's insane and that like literally you're in the one percent of people that will do that with a game you know, there's hardly that many people that will have that many plays on one specific game. Well, and I think, like, that's the thing, you know, you said, like, of my tens of games. I have a smaller collection. You know, it's it's under 200. And I know, you know, a lot of people have collections of, you know, five and six, 700 games. Um, so now that I track plays, I try to make sure that we play everything as much as we can. Um, there are certain games that we really enjoy, like Crusaders, and we'll play that more than maybe something else. But we try to get at least a couple of plays on, you know, everything, if we can. And, and some of them are restricted by player count. Um, I have the big box for, for Shogun, and the only time I ever get to play it is if, if I take it to a convention and teach it, <laughs> because it's a minimum three. So it's just not something that ever gets played at home because almost everything we play is two-player. No, I was going to say one, one of the games that Tasty Minstrel has, Amon Ray, I'm really interested in playing, but it's a minimum three and it takes like an hour and a half to play. And I, I can't justify that sort of expense for a game that I might play once a year. That's the thing about games too, is that you have to be in the mood for a particular game. So you've had a lot of plays on Crusaders because you guys really enjoy it and it might be the topic or your company and that kind of thing. And I think sometimes it's hard to be get other people on board if you're in the mood for a certain game and they're maybe not or player count is not there or something like that too. That's really hard. I think we try to get a lot of plays in for games too, but either we may not have the player count or we just may not be in the mood for, you know, something real thinky or, or we want something more thinky and not something so basic. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. So getting into the thing that's more thinky, more hardcore, kind of more, I don't know, harsh, kind of a cutthroat game, Citrus comes to mind, a game that Mm -hmm. um, is crazy cutthroat. And who would have thought that a game about building citrus plantations would be a game that would be so, like, harsh? That's that's the only word I can think of when it comes to that kind of game. It's a back alley knife fight. Yeah, totally. Hey, farming is hard. (laughs) If you consider growing citrus trees farming, then farming can be hard. Maybe that's the way... They thought of it. I don't know. But we were all introduced to the, uh, to this game by Sean. Yeah, absolutely. He, and he's he a gangster type of guy. He, he was giving suggestions. Yep. And he's a, he's a true gangster, so that explains why he introduced Citrus. Yeah. And it's funny because this, this, is, this is a game that is super fun to play and cutthroaty, but it also, like, I would... I. I feel bad. I wouldn't necessarily call it the best looking game. Oh my gosh, no. You know, the, the the tiles themselves are kind of bland. The the workers are kind of kind of cute or whatever, but and the but the board is kind of boring too, but it's it's a real fun game, but it's also one of those that you just like we talked about with other games, you have to be very on your game and you have to be plan out every move to its optimization otherwise you are going to be left in the dust i feel like in this game well then and if you don't know anything about it i'm not sure walking through a store that i would see this game and be like oh my god i have to buy this with a lady isn't she picking some sort of citrus fruit off of a tree basket i think on her yeah yeah it is not like a like a grab you cover yeah it's basically and that and concordia are probably the two the two worst looking boxed games but have the best play inside of it yeah and it but it's funny because when we bought this we bought john you were talking about this and sean was telling us about it so both of you were talking about it and so we found that, uh, I think, a really good deal on the last day of Gen Con last year, maybe. And um, we were holding it to purchase it at one of the vendor booths or something, I think. And somebody walked by us and they were like, great game. And I'm like, they must know something about it <laughs> because they, they're they not judging it on the box. <laughs> like... Because the box does not do it justice, which is unfortunate because I think that people would probably just walk by and be like, that game looks like a bummer. (laughs) I was going to say, even if you look at the back, it really doesn't do it justice to like look at the back, you know, because sometimes like you look at the cover and go, "Eh, I don't know, maybe whatever. And then you read the back and like, all right, well, what's this about? And even just to sort of go through the back of the box, you're like, I don't, this looks stupid. Like, I don't, what? <laughs> yeah. Does it make you wonder how Sean actually knew about it? Like, what, who made him play this? Or what made him pick this up and be like, I really got to check out this 
chick on this box. Hmm. <laughs> I got to play I got to play this game yeah. <laughs> because I think this game is a hidden treasure. Yeah. Well, it might it might just go to show why, you know, maybe he was talking about it with us, you know, and be like you, you guys really have to play it because you know, again, a lot of times you walk by us walk in a store and you look at something and you go, "Eh." You know, sometimes you got to get caught by what it kind of looks like too, you know? Right. Well, maybe that maybe that type of box attracts him because he's like, I think this game is going to be a hidden treasure. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? It wouldn't strike me that way. But Sean, I think Sean has like 40,000 games. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, well, I, he's, I also, he's also like on a podcast with someone games. else that plays games all the time, too. So, he, you know. Well, yeah. but it could also be the person that created the game. Are they familiar or popular for any other games that we are aware of? This game came out in 2013, by the way. So this is another oldie. Uh, Jeffrey Owlers actually made that game. That does not help me. <laughs> Who, does that help you, John? <laughs> it me. does not. That's not my brother. I, I know some designers. Yeah, I yeah. don't. His name yeah. does not ring the bell. Yeah. So he also did New York Slice. Oh, okay. Gun, Gun Kimono. Um, only a couple of the ones that I know that are popular from him. And I'm actually following him on Twitter. I should know better. <laughs> You're not supposed to admit that. <laughs> it's okay. He's not listening to us. Oh, that might be it. But still. So I've only heard of New York Slice then. Yeah. But still. This That's is, interesting. Yeah. Two totally different games. Totally. Yep. And that just goes to show you that he, you know, he can, he's not a, just a one trick pony and he knows how to make, you know, different types of games. So. Are you going to insert a pony noise? No, I am not. In that spot? I am not. I am not. <laughs> Come on. All right. So I think we've talked about quite a few games from Tasty Menstrual, but the one thing I'd like to do, talk about one more game, the last but not least, Orleans. Come on You now. don't even like that game. I don't even Your like favorite? that game. <laughs> no one even likes that game. No, no, nobody does. Man, just bag building and again the many paths to victory and if you get the upgraded components and the expansions just give so much more of a breath of fresh air to this game it's just it's really hard for me to explain why i love this game so much it just it just works everyone you gotta hold on for a minute while i go get him some kleenex because he's crying <laughs> totally <talking about> <laughs> Well, so you actually turned me on to this game because Whoa. you and, and Dan were always talking about it and just going on and on about Orleans and oh, it's such a good game. So, you know, being the researcher that I am, I took to the internet and sort of watching playthrough videos and, and obviously listened to your to your shows about it. Um, and you know, you tweeted or maybe emailed me, I don't know, said, oh, there's a really good deal on Orleans. Like, you got to get it now. And I was like, hey, son of a bitch, I guess I'm going to have to get it. <laughs> and and we, played it. we actually played it on Wednesday. And uh, I, I enjoy it quite a bit. I mean, like you say, it does give you interesting options. Um, there is a little bit of a luck element in that you're, you know, it's a bag builder, so you don't know what you're going to get. But again, you can sort of even streamline that as well by uh, taking your, you know, some of your tokens out and, and uh, sliding them out to the dedication board. So, like, if you have too many scholars, you're like, shit, I don't need these. You know, there's a way to remove them from your bag to sort of streamline and get what you want a little bit more. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. 
I yeah. mean, it's it's an enjoy. I know I've only ever played it with two. I imagine. Oh, that's not true because I guess we played it online. Right? Yeah, we, we did. Yep, four, four players. Yeah, four players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, and, that, and we even got. Then Sean we got Sean it. obsessed with it. He didn't think he was going to like it. <laughs> yeah. And now he has what everything, all the things, and he's pimped out his game. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's. Yeah. We got him. He's like a danger to himself now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but again, it, again, it's another one of those things where it's like, okay, so who thought, you know, milling about the city of Orleans and you know having you know, having these explorers kind of go around, you know, the city of Orle or the going around France and collecting wheat and cheese and wine and stuff like that would be exciting, but and wool and wool and uh, whatever the leather is called, I forget what that what it's actually brocade called. brocade. Okay. That's right. I would. I'd never call it that. I'm sorry. It's just weird. <laughs> well, you just did. I did. I did because you made me. But um, yeah, it's just it's just one of those games that's just. I think it has a spark of everything, like you said. It like with the chance and the many paths of victory, and you know, being able to plan out certain things. Like you can you can get rid of those tokens that you don't want, but you also can save some tokens. You can save them on your on your player board if you have enough space to to do that, and then you can you know put them out on the board and leave them out on the board and save them for later if you can't do it this turn. You know, it's just Reiner Stockhausen just really did a really good job of making a game that is constantly something I think about. You know, and like... I've, his e- wife. I've even gotten... Come on, no. <laughs> and then I've even gotten like, you know, we've even gotten like some of the expansions where you you can play a two-player game or I've even played the solo games of Orleans and that's it's very rare for me to take a game that I know can play multiplayers and play it solo because a lot of times, you know, a lot of times I, I want to play with someone cause it's, I think games are a kind of a social thing, but you know, there'll be a time where it'll be like, okay, no one wants to play with me. I'm just going to go out here and I'm going to play Orleans by myself. And, and even the solo games are challenging and you have to maneuver a certain way to win those games. And it, it's not one of those things where it's like you, you get beat and you're like, crap. Okay, I can't play this anymore. This sucks. You, you play it and you go, crap, I could have done that. Let me play it again. Or, or crap, I could have done it this way. I'm going to do it this way now. You know? So I feel like it's just, it's just a good am- amalgamation. Boy, I'm just trying to use big words. Why am I doing this? You get I it. I know. I just, why am I using all these big words? I don't need to. But, you know, it's just a great grouping of everything in this game, and it's, it's the reason why it's my favorite game ever. Dead silence. Boy, that's, a, that's great. Thanks, everybody. All right. Oh, we're not on camera. I don't know if it's my favorite ever, but, yeah, I, I definitely enjoy it. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. Fuck, I don't even know what my top, you know, five. I mean, top Tasty Minstrel games, sure. Sure, it's, it's yeah. up there in the top five, 100%. I'd, I'd have to think about that. It's more yeah. as like total game play. Yeah. I don't it, know. It, it, it's <laughs> tough because, you know, a lot of times when people do these top 10s, top 50s, top 100s, I'm like, what? That is a lot of work, you know? I could just, I could rattle games off the top of my head that I love, you know, like Lords of Waterdeep and Orleans and, you know, that kind of thing. It, but, you know, I, it's hard for me to rank different things for the most part but with this game it's just it's just one of those when someone says Orleans I go let's talk about it you know it's and there's not there's not a lot of games that do that for me well I feel like the sign 
and I could be wrong in this, but I feel like the sign of a good game too is when you really want to like enhance it by the components. Yeah. Going back to the the deluxify. Yeah. Like you really want to buy the inserts or find the best solution to putting stuff in the box and those special tokens and stuff like that. And I feel like that's like one of the aha moments that you have to be like, yes, I obviously really, really like this game or I wouldn't spend as much money on the stuff inside of the box that they've already provided me. <laughs> like right. here's, here's the game again. <laughs> Minus the yeah. game board. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And That's we've, en- we've enhanced it a few times. Oh, well, maybe not a few times. Yeah. We bought the, I bought the insert that we have to build yet for you. Mm-hmm. And we enhanced the um, tokens. Tokens. Yeah. And we have uh, most of the expansions, if not all of them. We have. Yeah. So. Oh, five to six. We don't, do we? Uh, we don't because no, because we, we don't have, have we, we don't, don't have, have enough people to play. <laughs> <laughs> but we also can't. Now that we're talking about, it, I want to play it, and we can't because we can't get to it right now. <laughs> but, so, are there any tasty minstrel games that we haven't played that is something that we want to kind of get our hands on? I always hear a lot of good things about Harbor, but I have never played myself. Same here. Oh, no. I played Harvest with with. Seth, actually, at a, at a convention. Oh, nice. And it's, I, I think that those, those are all part of the same, they're like, they're it's set in the same world. Uh, aristocracy, Harvest, Embark, Harbor, I think they're all sort of in the same game world. It's an interesting concept for them to sort of have that thematic through line for a couple of different small box games. Yeah. Yeah, it seems, it seems like they uh, they really they like to do those like kind of the same art, same world, like you said, small box line of their stuff or whatever that people seem to glom onto. Is there? I've heard a lot about this too. Amon Ray. I don't know anything about it though. Yeah, I, I just, would love to, but it's seventy dollars. Yeah, at a min three, like. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough when you, especially in these, especially with COVID times right now. It's. Kind of hard to get more than a two-player game going. <laughs> is it more? Is it three players and up? It, yeah, it's a min three. Yeah. Oh, I didn't hear but that. It, it, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's, it's a classic, right? So, I mean, it's, you know, it's been around forever. This is the reprint. Um, it was, uh, you know, a Kinesia game. And it's a long play, too. It's a, it's a minimum 90 minutes. So, you know, and with five players, you're looking at maybe 120 minutes. Uh, so it's eh, it's a lot of time, and, and you have to have enough people to be able to play, which is is difficult. Yeah, and that's a Rainer Canizia game too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's really we should, we should see if they have that on the tabletop simulator. There you go. Then we can get a three three player game in that way. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's why that's why tabletop simulator rocks. What's interesting though, when I'm looking at their list of games, there's a couple that because their their art doesn't all like fit in as in the same categories, but then there's a few games that make it interesting and that kind of stick out like a sore thumb, like Balloon Pop and um, yeah. <laughs> Dairy Man, and then there's one that is called Okie Dokie. <laughs> 
and they all look really like not games that Tasty Minstrel would have put out because they're very like uh, cartoony. Like, yeah. Bright. I, I was going to mention that as well because you have those games <laughs> alongside of, you know, Yokohama or, yeah. um, you know, uh, Gyu Gong. Gyu Gong. I don't know how to yeah. say it. But, but their newest game. Yeah, um, it's. It's funny because they have okie dokie sandwich on the website between Orleans and Scoville. And it's like, it looks like it's a band playing, or it's animals playing in a band. (laughs) Like, what? I mean, maybe, or or Zooscape, which that one maybe, maybe a little bit more, but like, I don't know what they're about. And I'm not ripping on them because I have no idea. But it's just funny because I'm, I'm moving through it and I'm like, okay, balloon pop. A little girl, two balloons, dairy man, huh? But hey, may, right, right may, next to three, three to four headed monster. Yeah. Well, again, it, it might be one. It might be some of those games that they brought over from overseas that you know they wanted everybody to try out just to see if they liked them because they like them, you know. Yeah. Oh, so. yeah. I, I mean, citrus is one example that you can't judge a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of games that are like that, that we found that we have in our collection that I bet you if we list it or if we laid out some games in front of people, they would not be the first ones that they would pick going by just the looks. Well, and it's interesting too, because some, some game companies will develop a certain style of game that sort of fits their catalog and then everything kind of fits in that range where you look at Tasty Minstrel and then you look at some of those, you know, we'll say weird games or like off games Different, from what you yeah. would think next to some of these really heavy game and it, it's you know they have a, a surprising breadth of games that you can find uh, not necessarily all developed in-house like you said some stuff you know maybe brought from you know from overseas or whatever but it, it's interesting to see that on the site that yeah there is such a, a wide variety that they have yeah yeah that's very cool so yeah yeah it was it's nice to talk about Tasty Minstrel because it's, it feels like they really put their heart and soul into what what they have, and you know, obviously they take a look at what they think is going to be fun for us and stuff like that. And for the most part, you know, I there's only one game that I really you know was we weren't really super excited about, and the other games were fun, really fun to play, and still continue to be in our collection. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So what what do you guys think? What what do you what does everyone else think? You know, have you played any Taster Minstrel games? What's your favorite? Are there some out there that we haven't talked about that you're like, okay, you were stupid for not mentioning this. You need to, we need to talk about this. Or you need to pick it up. That's right. Let us know at MFGCast on Twitter or join our Facebook page. Yeah. And thanks to John for coming on and talking to us. And we draw, we drug him in. We dragged him in. We did something. Druggity, druggity, draggy. We drug it. No, don't, don't say anything about drugging anybody. That's not right. Whoa, yeah. you said drug. You said druggity. <laughs> oh, I druggity, draggy, <laughs> the tasty menstrual connoisseur. That's right. Oh, Lord. We knew. It's always a pleasure to be here. Yeah, <laughs> we, knew, we knew you'd have a lot of awesome things to say, and we always appreciate having you on. Uh, I don't know about all that, but yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, let's, do, let's do what we'd always do when we have you on. How can people reach you? How can people consume what you do we are all over all the social media things uh the website if you can get it to work because it's a steaming pile of shit right now is legends of tabletop.com you can follow us on twitter at legends tabletop no of 
Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on Tumblr. Uh, you can find the feed over at SoundCloud or on iTunes. Um, throw a stone. You're going to f- probably find us somewhere. <laughs> that's right. Make sure you listen to Fear Itself, which I'm a part of, because that's an awesome Cthulhu game. Fear Itself, we're kicking some butt and taking some names and having some fun. And listen to it even if Kurt wasn't part of it? What? Yeah. <laughs> no. You should you listen made, to it because I'm a part of it. You made it sound like only listen to it because you're part of it. Yeah, but everyone, everyone, else, everyone else is awesome, but the legend of Randy Anders is why anyone would want to listen to it. Come on. Her face. If you guys can't see her face, it is one of shock and What do you awe. mean if you guys can't see it? They cannot see it. Thank goodness. <laughs> Whatever. Who wants to look at this mug? Oh, I do. You're beautiful. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Anyway. Hashtag right. legend of Randy Anders. There you go. That's right. All right. Well, again, thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks uh, to John for joining us for as joining the connoisseur. Us. You betcha. And, thanks uh, for having me. Hopefully this next episode we'll have another publisher to talk about because i think this is fun and i'd like to do it again so until next time i'm kurt and i'm tracy and this was the mfg cast thanks for listening stay safe bye (laughs) this podcast is a proud member of the legends of tabletop broadcast network for more gaming related content please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com